Welcome to the Sunset Community Church Podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Good morning, church. Also known as the kingdom of God. Um, as citizens of said kingdom, uh, we're going to be hearing from our king. So uh, in that pew Bible in front of you, I'm in page 837, and it's Matthew 3, uh, 11, 28 through 30. So think about, as I read these words, these are, this is our king coming to us, his citizens. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Thank you, Kyle. Um, it's grateful to bring the message today um, to share with you all. Uh, Andrew, glad you're back in town. And uh, um, I was like, I thought you posted a picture of you at the Seattle Seahawks Stadium, and I was like, did he just immediately go to the game right after he got off the plane? You know, but uh, yeah. Um, glad to be with you all today. Um, you know, it's, I don't know if we can still say it's Happy New Year. I think we can. We're still kind of in the middle of it, you know. Uh, it was a Chinese New Year, too. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. That's awesome. Um, well, happy, happy New Year, you know. And uh, with New Year comes like New Year's resolutions and all of those types of things. And uh, we've, it's good to think about that, uh, evaluate what's coming, what's, you know, look back on this last year, look forward for what's coming ahead and uh, what kinds of things you want to implement in your life, what kinds of disciplines you want to kind of practice, maybe do more exercise, maybe do this or that. Um, but oftentimes it feels like New Year same old me, doesn't it? You know, you get, you know, midway through March and then you're like the spring relapse or whatever it is. And, and you, you kind of go back to these, the ways that you've already practiced for a long period of time uh, and, and kind of go back to bad habits and, and things. And, and it, that, that's just challenging. It's just kind of the part of reality of being human. Um, but um, uh, it's also it speaks to something that what we do affects who we are and who we become. What we do affects who we become. And, and that maybe a question to, to ponder for this year is, a, for personal question is, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? And that's a good question to reflect on for yourself. You know, who am I becoming? Am I looking more like Jesus? Um, 2 Peter 1 talks about these qualities that should be ours in an increasing measure. Goodness, uh, goodness, uh, endurance, brotherly love, uh, all of these types of things. Is that happening in my life? If I look back on this last year, do I see more of Jesus in me? Um, but maybe the, uh, a question to, uh, maybe a follow-up question or a question that really goes along with it is, you know, we can't change ourselves. Uh, we need the Spirit of God and all of those things, but we also need one another. That's what God has done to, to bringing us together as a church family. And so the question we ask here at Sunset Community Church is, who are we becoming as a church? And what kinds of things are we practicing? What kinds of things are we doing? 
are those things leading us to become more like Jesus, leading us to this, this character transformation that we desire? Um, are we looking more and more like Jesus? Um, Dallas Willard, he was a uh, pastor, he was a philosopher, Christian philosopher, and I uh, was reflecting on something he talked about when it comes to these types of things that we do. He says, uh, we want to become the kind of people where, where we just spontaneously have love for our enemies. Think about that. Like, that's what Jesus did at the cross, right? Like, he was dying. He was being impaled. He was uh, being mocked and spit on and, and all kinds of things. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. Can we become that kind of people? Is it possible to, to maybe even start small? They go into this little bit part of your family. Can I love my family member who thinks differently, differently than me politically? That's a challenge. Why is that such a challenge? You know, like, can I love my, my neighbor, my, my coworker who uh, just really, you know, sometimes we just don't see eye to eye. Can we become the kind of people that have spontaneous love for our neighbor or for our enemy even? Um, Willard also said this, uh, we want our bodies to come to the place where they just do instinctually what is good and right. He says, unfortunately, they have been pretty thoroughly harmed by learning to do things that are wrong without having to think about it. You know, you, you think about that. We, we do things that we don't want to do. Uh, like Paul says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I want to do or things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Uh, it's in our bodies. It's in our, our habits. It's, it's the, what, what we do affects who we become, affects who we are becoming. Um, that isn't to say that we are what we do. Um, it, Jesus is going to speak to that here in a bit. Um, the scriptures will speak to that. But there is a sense in which the things that we practice, the habits we partake in, the things that we do as a community affects who we become together. And um, so if we want to look more and more like Jesus, what types of things should we do? Well, these, these types of things are called spiritual disciplines, right? Um, one of those is gathering. We gather on a Sunday. We, we're, that's what we're doing here today. Um, and it's good. We should, we should do that. Hebrews talks about don't forsake the gathering together. Um, we come together to see each other, to worship and fellowship with one another. We read our Bibles. That's very good. The, the scriptures say the word of God is like life to us. It's our, it's our bread. It's, our, it's what we need daily. We grow through the spiritual discipline of prayer. I don't know about you, but as I look ahead, on, look back on this past year and look ahead on this next year, this is something I deeply need to grow in. And I want to grow in it with you, with, with fellowship, with friends. Um, we need each other to kind of deepen each other in that way. Serving. Um, many of us served in the past year in different capacities. Um, I think about the Christmas um, uh, drive that we did, presents for families, all that kind of stuff. That's all good. But some of the problem with some of these things is our schedules get so full, don't they? We get so busy and we get so exhausted uh, because we're, we're going, I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to, you know, and so we, we start to fill up our calendars, fill up our lives with these types of things. And sometimes, you know, by the mid-year, we're exhausted, we're spent, 
And we looked back on who am I becoming, and we were the same, New Year, same old me. And uh, maybe New Year, same old, you know, community, fellowship. Um, to be clear, these spiritual disciplines don't uh, make us better people just by doing them. But these spiritual disciplines are meant to draw us into the presence of God. It's the person and presence of God through his word, through his spirit, that changes us. And so we want to position ourselves in such a way that we are with him, with him together, with him personally, with him in our families. So uh, I want to suggest one spiritual discipline that maybe I've looked on some disciplines lists and I don't see it very often. Um, and, uh, but I think it's the discipline of Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. Let, let's talk about this because there's maybe some you know, misunderstanding about what it could be. So this is what it's not. It's not just a day off. Uh, we all have maybe two days off, you know, if we're lucky. We have uh, a day, and, and on those days, what do we like to do? Whatever we want to do that we didn't get to do because the kids were up or because, you know, I, my schedule went past this time or whatever. So we binge watch, we, we binge eat, we, uh, we, and the, or we just waste time on social media or waste time on whatever it might be. And then we look back and we go, I didn't spend that day off as, you know, like I wanted to. Uh, but that's what we typically think of as a day off. That's not what a Sabbath rest is. It's also not just a recovery day. Like, I'm so exhausted, I just need a day just to, you know. And uh, again, it's the same idea. We do these things that don't actually bring us real rest. So it's not, not a recovery day. Here's what it is. It's a day to stop. That's what Sabbath means. The word means, it means stop. There's other word, like ideas to that, but it's stop working. It's simply what it means. Stop thinking about work. Stop entering, trying to like strive. It's, it's stop. Let's, let's slow down. Let's stop trying to run our lives. Um, it's a day for intentional rest with God. Um, it's a day for delighting in God. So, intentional delight. Me, I, I struggle sometimes with, you know, if someone asked me what the question was, what, what do you delight in? And I can think of a few things, but it, like sometimes it's hard for me to like make a list. So I tried this week, make a list of things that I delight in. Uh, I like, you know, good stories told well. I like laughter with friends. I like, you know, studying scripture. I like with, with others. I like um, uh, walks with my wife and, and now talking to Aiden and seeing what he's trying to say. You know, like I, I like all of these types of things. And, I, and when you think about your day off, you know, or whatever, you don't think about, all right, here's the list of the things I want to engage with, the delights I want to engage with. You just typically aren't thinking about those things at all because we are so distracted as a people. We get distracted by Netflix. We get distracted by the, the controversy on Twitter or whatever it may be. We get distracted by news. We get distracted by all these things. And so all that, that list of delights is not something that we engage with. But Sabbath is meant for intentional rest, intentional delight uh, in God's presence. And we'll get to that. But, but first, let's talk about where this all began. God exemplified Sabbath for us. In Genesis 1 and 2, God is making humanity, right? Uh, he creates them on which day? Day six. Yeah, six days of creation. Uh, and day six, he gets to uh, making humans. 
And uh, in this, he, uh, it says in Genesis 1, verses 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. He said, in our likeness that they may rule over the fish in the sea. So this is what he did. Verse 27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Good stuff. We, we know this one. And then uh, it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Uh, one thing I just want to note here really quick. It's important. Uh, the Jewish calendar, they would begin a day in the evening. Like, so the next day would begin at like sundown. And, uh, and so evening time through morning time, uh, that would be, uh, from evening to evening would be one day for them. We think of it as from morning to morning. Um, but that's what it is. So it was evening and then morning. And uh, when God made humans on this day, he had made some animals, some, some live, like the, the cattle, the thing. And then it was the last part of his creation on day six, he made humans. So humans were made toward the end of day six. And then he gives them these instructions, you know, rule and be fruitful and all those types of things. But really, they wouldn't have had time to do it that single day. The very next day, the very next day that they had a full day with God would have been day seven. And this is what happened on day seven. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all his work of creating that he had done. The very, the, the, the full day that the humans had with God was day seven, when they didn't have to do this, this work. When God had work for them to do, but he said, you know what, first I want you to come and abide with me. I want you to come and rest with me. Uh, I want you to come and delight in my creation with me. Um, so like before there was any work to be done, rest with God came before work for God. That's what Sabbath looks like. The rest with God comes with work for God, uh, come before work before God. And this means God prioritizes relationship over task. That's good news. He's not a taskmaster just waiting with this, here's this list of things that you need to be doing and, you know, tallying up all these. He wants first, he wants you to do those things, but first he wants to be with you. He wants to be in communion with you, in relationship with you. He wants you to rest in him. That rest looks like trusting him, you know? Uh, why did God rest? Was he tired? No. Isaiah 40, 28 says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He won't grow weary or tired. He shows us how to rest. He shows us how to enjoy his creation. Um, and so, this also means that we work, when we work, we are to work from a place of rest and not trying to work for rest. Does that make sense? So typically we think of Saturday, Friday, the weekend as the end of the week. And we go, I'm just trying to work for the weekend. I think that's a song, right? Everybody's working for the weekend. I've heard it on commercials. I don't know where, you know, it's in, um, everybody's working for the weekend. It's true. It's just in our 
DNA in our culture. We're all striving just to, you know, get on our couch and breathe out a sigh or whatever. And then kids start screaming and dinner needs to be made and we just get exhausted again. And so, you know, we're always trying to work for this rest. Um, but Genesis 1 and 2, these, these, page, these first pages of the Bible, God says we are to work from this place of rest. Um, and it's not that work is bad. Work is good. God made it for us to, to uh, partake in. But it is not meant to, uh, to, to define us. Whereas we're people of rest that work from a place of rest um, for the glory of God. Um, so what, what would that look like to take a day, to take a day uh, from the week just to kind of be and delight and enjoy the presence of God? Um, uh, the first time I heard about someone doing this, like, you know, I think about it and I, I think about, this is a Jewish practice, isn't it? Like the Jewish culture, they, they do the Sabbath and they have to make sure they don't take a certain number of steps. And I think there's even an elevator. Um, there's a thing called a Sabbath elevator. I learned this from a pastor who is pastors in New York. And there's a Sabbath elevator where, you know, they're not supposed to um, push buttons because that would be using technology. So, you know, on a 10-story building, they all are just waiting for the elevator to get to their floor, whether it's going up or down. They enter in and they all pack in. And they, you know, like, that's, that's a very extreme example of like, we're, just, we're not resting, we're just trying to get to synagogue, we're trying to get to where we're going, you know. And um, that's, so that's, those are the types of things I've had in mind when I think about Sabbath rest. Like, isn't this for a different culture? And uh, yes, in a way it is, but also um, God, before God commanded this to the Jewish people, he had exemplified this for all of humanity in Genesis 1 and 2. And so uh, there's something about that. So there's some wisdom that I think we can glean from that. So the first person I heard about taking a Sabbath rest who wasn't a Jew, it was a friend of mine. His name was Andrew Moore. He was my RA uh, in college. And he was like, on the weekends, I don't, you know, do homework. I don't worry about it. I don't, you know, I, I, makes, I have to do all my assignments right up until Friday or whenever he did his, his Sabbath time. And and I was like, that sounds awesome and terrifying. You know, like I, I'm like rushing to get the, you know, my assignments done last minute or whatever. And, but I was also like, I kind of want that. Um, but then I, you know, moved to Seattle, got married, like, and all these types of things. But then, um, you know, pandemic hit and things slowed down naturally. And, and for some people, this was really hard. And, for, and there were also aspects of it that were nice, you know, where you can kind of go reflect on the things that, you, you want to reflect on and, and you're so busy and all this stuff and all of a sudden everything stops. And, and so uh, when everything gets slow and gets calm and calms down, the things that we deal with typically start to surface, don't they? That's kind of why we don't like to be, we don't like to be still because things begin to surface and we don't want to deal with. So we push it down, push it down. Let's add this thing to their schedule, add this thing to our schedule. Whereas some of that happened in and our lives, and, and in my life, and I needed um, just another way to deal with that. How do, how do I deal with these things? And we went to, Tiffany and I went to a soul care retreat back in 2021, the fall time of 2021, and there was a man there named Joe Chambers. 
He's a seasoned pastor, um, I think in his 60s now, and he uh, taught us how to Sabbath rest. There was a meal presented, there was a liturgy we read together, and there was a group of uh, maybe five or six couples, and we all just did it with Joe and his wife, and it was a really sweet time. And um, we had someone just show us what that looked like. And ever since then, Tiffany and I have been doing that ourselves. We've been taking time to, to rest. Uh, and and for, me, for us, uh, you know, Sunday's kind of like a work day for us. So I, we typically find that Friday night to Saturday night is when we like to do that. Um, but yeah, let me, this is a picture that I staged last night of our candles that we light, you know, so, uh, but we typically like to read a liturgy. We, we engage with some maybe poetry. We engage with a good story. We engage with good conversation and we try not to worry about what happened this past week, all that kind of stuff. We just try to engage and all that we're doing, we're trying to think about we're doing this in the presence of God. He's with us, engaging in this time with us. Um, here's what a typical Sabbath practice or Sabbath flow could look like. You choose a day. It doesn't have to be Friday night to Saturday night. That's kind of the traditional Jewish way of doing it. Um, but choose a day. Maybe that's Sunday. That's Sunday for some of us here. Uh, that maybe that's a Tuesday night, a Tuesday night to Wednesday night. Whatever it may be, choose a day. And then we would say, choose a 24-hour period. Um, Prepare beforehand. Uh, it takes work to kind of get ready to rest. Um, that means try, figure out dinner time, dinner, put the dishes away, whatever. Um, uh, prepare beforehand. Mark the beginning and ending. So we typically like to light candles at the beginning and do our liturgy. And then at the end, we like to ask the question. We, we learned this from Joe. Um, you know, what was something beautiful this past week that you, you experienced? Something that that just showed you the beauty of God. And we had a great conversation about that. Or what's something that uh, was um, broken about this past week that we need to think about together. That's how we end our Sabbath and then kind of bring that to God in prayer. Part of the Sabbath practice is to stop striving, stop um, working, stop thinking about work, stop doing things. Like, like stop buying stuff on Amazon, stop, uh, whatever it is, you know, like turn off Netflix, turn off the TV, turn off computers. Like it's hard to do. It's hard to do, but it's when you do it for a 24 hour period, there's something that happens in your soul that begins to kind of lift and you begin to realize I can intentionally delight in God's presence. And what, uh, was something that we got to do this past weekend with some friends of ours for the first time, they came over Friday night and we lit candles, we had uh, a liturgy reading, and we had a good meal with them, and we just enjoyed time with them. Um, do, do, do this together. Think about a couple or a family or um, a friend or whoever it may be. Invite them over uh, once a week or once every other week, whatever it may be, and enjoy time together. Delight in God's word. Read a psalm together, whatever it is. But, just, uh, but this is what it looks like to be intentionally delight in God's presence. And if you have questions about this, we're actually, this is kind of, you know, we're still learning it as we go. And we have some friends here in this church that are listening to some resources and reading some things that we're trying to figure out how do we engage in this type of rest together. Um, and so we have some resources that we can point you to. Uh, you know, if you have questions about it, let's talk about it. But uh, let's talk about what um, the opposite of this type of rest would look like. Um, 
you know, what happens if we never rest? Never resting is the same as bondage. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, as we go through the story of Genesis and into Exodus, we see the, the children of Israel. Um, they are enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. And in, in Exodus uh, 1 through 5, we learn about this type of um, the, this, this enslavement, what it looks like for them. It is heavy labor. It is uh, you know, 400 years of just backbreaking strife. And um, in Exodus 5, there's, a, there's a, um, a biblical scholar named Walter Brueggemann who wrote a little book called Sabbath as Resistance. Um, and in one of the chapters, he describes in chapter 5 of Exodus, just Pharaoh just saying over and over and over and over again, like, hey, when Moses came and said, hey, we want to take these people out to the wilderness for three days. Can we do that? And Pharaoh's like, stop distracting them from their work. They need to work. They need to do more work. They need to produce more bricks. And you know what? I'm going to take away the straw, the amount of straw that they've been using, and they need to be able to make bricks without that. Like, he, he just put pressure and pressure on them to produce and produce and without the resources and, uh, that, that they were using originally. He's building his empire. He's seeing them as cogs in the machine. And, and this type of just non-rest was happening in the, in the people of Israel. Um, and it was, it was terrible. And this striving, this striving that I just need to strive to survive. Um, here's, here's just a quick overview of the story, the rest of the story in the Old Testament. Slavery, Exodus 1 through 5. Um, liberation. We get that good relief when, when God brings the people out of Egypt and parts the Red Sea. And, and then he gives them some commands in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 later. Moses kind of repeats them. Well, we call them the Ten Commandments, right? And they're ten statements or ten instructions for what uh, types of things they're supposed to do and not do in order to be shaped into the kind of people God wants them to be. Um, you know, we know those certain ones like don't lie, don't murder, don't steal, you know. Uh, but number four on that list that we tend to kind of just gloss over is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Um, is this a binding command for us today? It, you know, it may or may not be. I'm, I'm not trying to say it is, and there's not a legalistic thing about it. Um, but there is something wise that we can glean from this, whether or not, like, it's, we shouldn't murder, we shouldn't steal. Maybe we should also think about resting as well. Like, this is a, a positive thing. Um, and so God is wanting this people that have been formed and shaped by produce and be productive and do more and do more and do more um, into a people of, hey, take time away to be with me. Take one day where you stop where you stop striving, where you trust me for what I'm going to provide for you, where you, it, literally there was a manna from heaven, you remember that story? And God said, on day six, gather twice as much, because on day seven, I don't want you to go out, there won't be manna out there, you're going to have enough for what you need that day. And, uh, and, and so this idea of just rest with me, God is wanting to teach them, to, to train them, to form them into a people of rest that work from a place of rest, not for rest. But what happens 
Israel begins to receive these things and, and they get established in the land and all the, the kings start happening and the kings get busy and productive and wanting to build their empire and not God's and, and there's rebellion that happens. They stop following the instructions and the ways of God. And part of the rebellion, part of the, the consequences of them not following the ways of God is back into exile, back into slavery, back into bondage. And that's how the Old Testament ends. This picture of just waiting for the Messiah. Like, we're back here again because of our foolishness. You know, we didn't trust God. We didn't follow his ways. We need help. Um, yeah, the opposite of rest is bondage. The opposite of not resting, or the, the not resting, it gets you into a place of bondage. Does this sound familiar? You know, that, that story of the children of Israel um, produce, create, um, build a following, make things, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it sounds like our culture today, doesn't it? It sounds like um, I think about big organizations, big tech jobs, big things that say, we need you to overspend your time here. We need you to just give us everything. Don't take weekends. Don't take, or, you know, like, we need you to just be all in. And the more you're all in here, the, the more money you'll get, the higher prestige you'll get in our company. Um, and you will, um, it, it just, it's like, it's like we're back in Egypt. We're back in this culture, this system of do more, do more, do more. Uh, this idea that we are, um, I, are uh, defined by our work. And so um, we, we start to buy into this lie that our worth as a people, as a person, is dependent upon my ability to perform. That my worth as a human being is dependent upon how good I can do at this, whatever it is. And it, it's, it's, it's a lie that we end up believing that makes us anxious, that makes us exhausted. You know, exhausted leads, leads to um, disunity and disruption in our relationships and our families. We see those, the, in the movies and the stories, uh, you know, the, the busy dad who never comes home or the busy mom who doesn't have time for the kid. Like, it's, it's, it's reality. It's what we all live in. We can look into our lives and look into others' lives, the people that we love and trust, and see them uh, following in this pattern of, well, my identity is dependent upon me doing, doing, doing. Um, Sabbath rest is so antithetical to that type of system, to that type of culture. The rest that God is calling us to is so antithetical to our American story. Um, but this is where we're at in, in this culture. Uh, and I think with Paul what a wretched man am I? Who's going to rescue me from this, this system, this, this system of bondage, this, this, I'm subject to death in this body. Like I've, I've got all these bad habits that are just formed in me. And I do things instinctually that I don't want to do. How can I become the kind of person that does instinctually what is good and right? Well, how can I live out the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. How can I become that kind of person? The, the way that the system of producing all this kind of, it, it just leads to more and more anxiety. I, I have to make more and I have to maintain more and I have to do more and I don't have time to do everything. So I've got to cut something 
important from my life. I've got to, I've got to stop being with my friends and stop meeting with my, my wife, stop talking to my, whatever it is. And, and, and we, we get all topsy-turvy. Who will deliver me? Who will deliver us from this system, uh, this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's look at the example of Jesus. Jesus uh, is God in the flesh. We sing about that. What a beautiful name in that song. We, we sing about, we, John 1, 1 talks about this. The word was with God. The word was God. Um, but he's also, he took on humanity. He took on our humanity uh, apart from sin. And so he's Jewish, actually. So what does a good Jew do? They, they practice Sabbath. Jesus practiced Sabbath. Um, so he went to synagogue on Saturday mornings or Friday nights and uh, read from the scriptures, enjoyed a meal with his disciples or his friends, uh, with his family growing up. He did these types of things. Um, but he did it with uh, a different type of heart, didn't he? He was kind of looked at very differently by the, the teachers of the law. They would look at him and say, you're healing on the Sabbath. Or you're doing these things that aren't, that are, you know, like you're breaking the rules, you know, or whatever it is. And all of these rules were man-made rules. Uh, when, when Israel got uh, back from exile, there was a, a remnant of them that said, you know, we're going to follow these rules because we don't want this thing to happen to us again. So, you know what, in order to keep this rule of stopping and resting, we're just, we're also going to say we're not going to walk these many steps on the Sabbath, because if we go one step further, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's 5,000 steps, we go take 5,001, we've broken the Sabbath, you know, like, so they, they start to do this and pile these rules on top of each other that becomes this man-made law, and part of this, Jesus is saying, this is not right, like, God never said that we can't do good to our neighbor on the Sabbath, so this person is hurting, needing help, I'm going to heal him. You know, like, like Jesus did this rest with the heart of God, not with the heart of legalism. And so uh, he showed the people of, of Jerusalem and, of, uh, and to us what it looks like to be a person of rest. Um, but also, Jesus embodies Sabbath rest both in his life and in his death. We see in the day six, God made man, and then he finished his work, right? And then he said, uh, I'm going to rest this day seven. When Jesus was crucified, it was on the day of preparation, which is typically Friday. Um, and it was the day of preparation is you get all ready, get ready, get ready for the Sabbath. And when the evening time comes and you're at the table, you know, work is done, everything's kind of put to the side. Jesus was on the cross that afternoon and he gave up his life. And right before he did, he said what? It is finished. Jesus did all of this work, this work, this good work of, of taking on the punishment of our sin, taking on these things, um, dying on behalf of his enemies. Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, like, and then he embodied Sabbath rest in his death. By, by the time that he was laid in the tomb uh, that Joseph of Arimathea put him in, it was Sabbath time. 
And at the time, like, like he was already in the tomb, laying reposed there. God rested. Jesus embodies the rest of God. He is God in the flesh, and he rested even in his death. And so Sabbath day would have been a really gloomy day that day, wouldn't have been. Um, quiet, still. And, but Jesus has shown, has shown with his life and his death that God is a God of rest. And I think about what Jesus did in this moment. And I think about, I go back to Genesis, the day of creation, the six days of creation. You know, humans were made at the end of day six. So they didn't have any, they didn't contribute to the work that God did the previous, you know, previous morning and the previous days, did they? they? They weren't even around. God did all of the work. And then he made them and he said, hey, I've got some work for you to do and it's going to be good. But before you do that, let's take a day to rest and be together. Jesus, you know, I think about the disciples. They did some good things with Jesus and when they were around, but that week of creation, that week of what's called Passion Week, whatever, like, I think about the night before when he was arrested. Judas comes in, one of his own betrays him. And then everyone comes in, and the, the Roman soldiers, in, and what happens to the disciples? They go with him, right? They all scatter. They weren't with him uh, doing the work that he was doing. Um, when uh, one of them even denied that he knew Jesus. Like, uh, so many things. Like, they were not with him when he was doing the work. And they, they didn't contribute to it. In fact, they, they, they made it hard, <laughs> didn't they? Um, but this is the grace of God. When he looks out and he says, Father, forgive them, he must, may have been looking at his disciples, thinking about his disciples, thinking about those who were with him that, that scattered, that went away. Forgive them. And with his last breath, finished the work and reposed on Sabbath. Um, this is a gospel of rest. When Jesus rose again, it it's became what's called day eight. There's not, not a day eight in Genesis, but it's the new creation. It's the first day, the, the dawn of new creation. Um, and it's this idea that he is, he's risen again. He has done all the work and he invites us into his finished work. And then he also says, hey, I've got, I've got things I want you to do. I've got a purpose for you. But first, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, Jesus has the rest that our souls need. I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. There's so much striving that we do. If you're anything like me, um, you can strive just to, to make sure that you're meeting some kind of standard that you have in your own head, and you never meet it. You're never meeting it. And so, you know, even if you do a good job at something, and then there's, there's always this voice in the back of like, um, maybe you could have done this, maybe you could have done that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm always feeling like I've got to do more, I've got to do better. You know, that, those words come out of my mouth a lot when I'm talking to Tiffany or talking to my friends, like, I've got to be better at prayer. You know, I said that earlier in this sermon. Like, I've got to do these types of things. I, and, and there's this sense that I need, 
when I, whenever I've had the most joy thinking about the gospel, thinking about the grace of God, it's when I re- remembered and, and trusted the truth that I don't have to do anything. Jesus did it already. So that, that, that changes me inside. There, there's a, a rest that begins to seep into my bones, into my body, into my, my heart and my mind, and it produces joy. And then when I get back into my work, whatever, and when I'm trusting that gospel, uh, that Jesus has done it all, and, and that I can now work from a place of freedom, uh, I can enjoy the things that he's called me to do. I can enjoy the things that he is, is given uh, and, you know, it says God has prepared good works for those beforehand that they should walk in them. Um, but it had just talked about all of these things in Ephesians, that it was we who were dead in our trespasses and sins. But it was the grace of God that made us alive with Christ. It, it wasn't anything we could, do, we could do. And so Sabbath rest is this embodied act of trust. When you can take a day, uh, and I'm not saying, hey, so go out, this week, and if you don't do it, you know, whatever. Like, I'm saying, this is an invitation for us to embody this year, maybe. Maybe try it for a few months with your family. Like, embody trust with God, where you say, I don't, I, I'm not in charge of my life. I'm not the one that's holding the reins of my life. Um, Jesus is. Jesus is king. So I can take a day to open my hands to, um, enjoy a good meal with my family, enjoy a good meal with my friends. I can take a day to not strive, not purchase stuff, not try to, to add to my life all of these things. I can just trust that God has provided all we needed and I can enjoy. And that, that is an embodiment of this gospel of rest. Jesus has accomplished all that we needed in order for us to have salvation. Our salvation depends on Jesus' finished work on the cross alone. Not on anything we can add to it. And so uh, Sabbath rest, it's, it's an invitation for us to become a people of rest, for us to become a people of non-striving. And, and our work, I think, will benefit from that, but that's not why we do it. We do it to engage with God and find out that we uh, um, find who we truly are with him. We're, our, we're not defined by our work. We're not defined by our efforts and our striving we're defined by God's love. Um, so one other thing about this. When we do that, and what God was trying to accomplish in the people of Israel, our rest in God is a witness to a worried and hurried world. There's so much striving out there. So much striving in here. Like, like work and things that happen in our lives, jobs that we lose, whatever it may be. Like, there's so much striving and worry and fear, and, and it's real. Like, it's challenging. <laughs> it's very real. But Jesus' invitation is still open to us. Come and find rest. Find rest for your souls. Trust that I have what you need. And trust that you can delight and enjoy being with me. Um, so, yeah, that invitation is open to us today. If you are a Christian and you know, you're thinking about Sabbath rest and all that kind of stuff. You have questions about it. Let's talk about it. I'd love to, to share more and maybe connect you with others that are think, trying to think about these things too. Um, 
But uh, what I want to leave you with is, for those that are believers, like, like trust Jesus. Trust him that he is enough, that he's provided what, what you need. You can't add to it. You can't um, add to it by your striving. So trust him um, and rest in him. And for those that aren't Christians that are here today, maybe this is the first time you've heard about a God of rest. Um, and you're striving. You're in that season. Uh, you're in that mode. You're in that system. Um, and you're looking for a way out. Just like God provided a way out of Egypt for you know, a million plus people to come out parting the Red Seas and doing something impossible that they could never have imagined. Um, God has done that for you in Jesus. That God would embody uh, flesh, would become like us and walk this earth like you and me and, and die on our behalf for the things that we have done, our sins, the things that we keep striving to overcome. If I just do enough good, if I just do enough good, you know, it's, it's stop, let's rest. Rest in Jesus, trust him for your forgiveness. Trust him for grace. Um, so this invitation is open to us all. Come to Jesus and find true rest. Um, I, I, am, I want us to become a people of rest here at Sunset Community Church. Andrew wants that for us. Like, what does that look like and how can we do that? And I think it starts here. Come to Jesus find your rest. Can I uh, pray for us and pray for you? Um, you know, we, we think about these things and it's, it's so challenging sometimes to think about how can I make this happen in my life? And um, let's just start here with being with God um, and trusting his presence and provision. Hmm. Father, I thank you that you have invited us into rest, that you have made us to be in communion with you, to be in a delightful and intentional rest with you. I thank you that you have, um, that you desire relationship with us over the things that we do and things that we can do for you, things that we can do. You invite us into rest with you first. And then you want to do those things with us. You, wanna, you want us to, to work out of this place of joy, this place of love, this place of non-striving. And, and I pray that for those of us in this room, that you would lead us to, this, to the waters of stillness, like Psalm 23 talks about, that you would be our shepherd. And when we think about, I shall not want, for you are my shepherd, that we would trust you for this type of rest, that we trust you for this this, this union, this, this communion with you. And would you make us people at Sunset Community Church, make us a witness of a people of rest, a people that work from a place of rest, from joy, from, from this peace and this reconciliation that we have with you, that Jesus has done all the work for us already, and that we can just trust him, repent of our own striving, and trust him for, um, for this grace, for this trust, for this rest that we need. Would you... Fill us with rest, Lord, and, and teach us how to do that in a way that brings honor and glory to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, 
visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.